What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. I hope you are having a great week so far. I know I am. I'm just going to go ahead and jump right on in to the happies and crappies because I'm feeling great and it's because of these new supplements I've been taking. At least I think so. That's really the only thing that I've changed and I've been feeling super focused, super high energy, motivated, like ready to take on the world. And it's really the only thing I've added in. So that's, that's my happy that I'm feeling good, refreshed and focused. My crappy has probably just been the fluctuating weather, whether it's really cold in the morning and then like really hot in the afternoon or one day it's almost 80 degrees and then the next day the high is only 40. So just that kind of like up and down, it's making my allergies just go nuts and it sounds like a lot of people are also having that crappy. This week when I asked for your happies and crappies on my story, it sounded like a lot of other people were having weather issues like a snowstorm or having to cancel a trip because of the weather or just the fluctuating weather and seasonal allergies like I'm going through. So we are all dealing with it at the moment, unfortunately. However, on the happy side, there were so many happies. It sounded like a lot of people were getting into new training classes or new group classes for sports or obedience, which is so much fun. And some people said that they've started using their digital version of the Growing and Healing Journal, which was so excited to see. I was so happy and pleased to see that. So the journals launched almost two weeks ago by the time that this comes out and the digital version will be sent to you immediately so you can start using that ASAP, but the hardcover and spiral journal will be shipped out and you should get that by the first week of December, if not sooner, if you ordered one. And just as a reminder, if you would like a journal for yourself or your friend for Christmas or the holiday season to get your order in by November 14th, so just a few days after this episode is released, the journals do take three to four weeks to make and ship. They're all made to order, so super eco-friendly and sustainable, which I love, but it does mean a longer lead time. So just be aware of that, but if you want yours as soon as possible, then you can get the digital version online. This week's episode is a first for me because not only do I have a dog mom on, but I also have the dog dad. So last week I talked to Bobby, which is my husband. 
He was the first dog dad to ever be on the podcast, but this is the first couple that I'm talking to. So it was a really special interaction to get to talk to each of them, see what their perspective was on raising two reactive dogs and how they've handled it throughout the years. So I'm really excited to introduce you to Annie and Matt. They are the dog parents to Henna and Ollie. Henna is their five-year-old staffy mix, and they describe her as fearful but brave, and she made them the dog parents they are today. Henna is a former van life dog, and we talk some about that during the episode. She helped them build out their camper van in Colorado, where they traveled full-time for a year. Ollie is their two-year-old reactive beagle pit bull mix. They describe him as fear reactive, but warms up when he finds his people. Ollie will do just about anything for his frisbee, loves tug, and most importantly, he loves to represent the muzzle community. As a family, they are building a community of reactive dog owners to learn more about how training never ends, advocating for muzzle use, and showing how to make multi-dog households work. This is an episode where we really dive deep into their feelings around an incident that happened between their two dogs in their house and how they overcame that as a unit and as a family and with support. And Annie and Matt have a mindfulness workbook that is coming out later this year. We talk about it a little bit at the end of this episode. It would be the perfect supplement to the Growing and Healing Journal. And you can go all the details on that on their Instagram. All of that is linked in the show notes. So let's get right on into it with Annie and Matt. No matter the age of your pet, so much planning is involved when setting them up for success, from the hours of training to the socialization to the confidence building. But have you ever considered that the thing causing them a difference in their behavior, whether it's agitation or anxiety, might be a bit more complex than just training? This past year, I began to factor in how Layla's digestion could be affecting her behavior and mood. I didn't previously consider this because it really isn't something that you can outwardly see, nor could she communicate that to me. But after reading her food label, I decided to find a brand that was more balanced, holistic, and fueled her for all of our training and play sessions. But I still wanted it to be convenient for me and all of our trips and even hand feeding. This is when Solid Gold entered our lives. Layla was immediately obsessed with their food, and I am equally obsessed with the benefits she gets from it. Up to 80% of a pet's immune system is influenced by the gut, making the nutrients, vitamins, and minerals so important to your pet's overall health and well-being, which, you guessed it, also includes things like their nervous system and behavior. Layla has been eating Solid Gold's new Nutrient Boost line, which is powered by plasma, making it extra nutritious, extra delicious, and providing extra immunity. The added plasma ingredient works to reduce inflammation and increase absorption, making sure that she gets every nutrient possible in her little tummy. And all of this is in kibble form, making it extremely easy and functional for us. Beyond their large variety of customizable food, Solid Gold also makes meal toppers, flavorful bone broths, and supplements. You can snag their products on Amazon, Chewy, Petco, and PetSmart. And find all the details about Solid Gold on their website, solidgoldpet.com. That's also linked in the show notes. Layla assures you that you will not regret checking out Solid Gold for your pet. 
Hello. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my yeah, gosh. Thank you so much for having us. And um, we're so excited for this. Oh, of course. Matt, you are the first male on this podcast. I'm honored. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Um, I was actually just talking to my husband and I was like, I'm going to have to get you on here. So we like, so you can claim your spot, like as the first dog dad on the podcast, but you beat him to it. So I'm going to have to tell him and he's going to be like, ah, shucks. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, that's awesome. And congratulations on your recent wedding. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It was like a whirlwind. Um, uh, are you guys married? We yeah. are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't know for sure if you are or not. I mean, it's like we lived together for about two years before we got married. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, nowadays it you have to ask or I don't want to assume anything. Oh, but, no. um, of course. Yeah. I actually saw that you guys, um, you know, you mentioned that you did van life together for a year. And oh my gosh, I would love to hear all about that. I think it is so cool. Oh man, yeah. It's honestly like it seems like such a long time ago, but it was it was a pretty crazy awesome experience. Oh, um, I'm sure. Yeah, we you know, we had this dream of doing it and like kind of just built whatever we could to get started and it was it was a wild time. But Henna was a great van dog and she did amazing. And yeah, I mean, we were just like, I guess we moved to Colorado and then, yeah. um, you know, we kind of were moved in between apartments and we were like, either now or never, it's not going to, it's not going to be perfect. And it definitely right. far from it, but, um, it was so much fun. And Do you still have the van? Yeah. So, okay. So you still go on trips and stuff in it. Well, so, well, <laughs> <laughs> happened was we were living in the van for like just a little under a year and Mm -hmm. we were burning out because you know it's definitely it's it's, a lot of work especially like our van was um is uh a low roof van so like okay we're tall people two yeah and a dog like hunching over like constantly and like we didn't have anything like really set up for like practical living aside from like a bed and like right we're in the process of putting in a sink and we anyway we were burning out and the universe was like you guys need a break we're gonna send this semi truck to hit you in the van while you're sleeping one night on oh my gosh yeah oh my gosh (laughs) it was pretty scary but um that was pretty much like the end of it for us as far as go out with a banger I mean, I mean, literally, wow, well, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry about your van, but I'm happy that you guys are here and Hina is okay. And oh my gosh, I just could not even imagine. It was like, first of all, um, it was one thing because we were sleeping, right? And like, we're so thrown off by what was happening. And then once we realized what was happening and like, yeah, it was at like 4 a.m., I think. Oh, my uh, gosh. And I, the night before, it was like right outside of a brewery. So, right. we, and we had parked there like, I want to say like dozens of times beforehand. And I went to bed saying, I feel safe here. 
Like, I said those words the night before and then, like, woke up to just, like, Matt screaming. This It was just, like, an insane experience to wake up to. Um, And then we were like, well, that is our sign that we need to get an apartment now. Um, Oh, my gosh, yeah. So we still have our van and, like, we are – unfortunately, we haven't really used it much for traveling, but it's great to just have – for whenever the time for an adventure does come. Right. You can kind of get right back. I'm sure you can like have guests sleep in it too. If, if the bed is still there, you know, that's a pretty solid idea. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have a van too, but we we didn't do like van life. Like we didn't live in it, but we have it and kind of treat it as like a camper. So, you know, whenever we want to go on road trips or whatever, And we had guests over after our wedding and we had, you know, people sleeping on the couches, people sleeping on air mattress, air mattresses. But then we also had people sleeping in our van because we were, it was another bed uh, for them to use. So a great idea. Oh my God. I'd love to learn like everything about your van experience and like, so cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. We got it in 2020. Uh, It was like, October. It was about this time last year. Actually, I have like memories coming up on my Facebook of whenever we got it and stuff, which is so cool to relive. But uh, we got it in 2020. It's an old U-Haul that somebody converted and we bought it from them. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Lots of space. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's I think in total, it's like 26 feet long. Um, But, you know, that's including like the cab. So it's not all of that is like living space, but yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I, I understand like you guys going through the struggle of, you know, continuously working on it and everything because we didn't really know exactly what we wanted whenever we got it. Turns out, you know, we don't really need a shower or, you know, a toilet in there. And we had them put one in and it really just took up so much space. So we, took it out over the summer of of this past year or this past summer. Uh, So just a few months ago. And after we took that out, oh my gosh, it opened up so much space. We actually feel like if we wanted to live out of it, we could now. And, you know, we were just like, we'll go to Love's or uh, Planet Fitness or something to use the bathroom and shower um, and figure or a campground. I mean, most campgrounds have showers in them. So, I mean, it, it would work out if we decided to try to live out of it or do like a more permanent thing. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you totally should do it. And like, I think that's awesome because like every spot, every tiny bit of the van counts. So like, you now have like, and you don't need a shower in there. We know you don't. Okay. I'm like, wh- whenever we're on like a trip or something, I'm like, I mean, this is going to sound so gross, but like, I'm not showering as much, honestly. Um, you're <laughs> the right people. Yes. When yeah. <laughs> at the start of the pandemic, we actually, so we're originally from New York and we had moved okay. to Colorado kind of on like, uh, let's go somewhere we've never been right. kind of thing. So we, we we had a trip planned to Colorado and then had to cancel it because I got um, sick and we were just like, you know what? Let's just move there. Like we needed a Mm -hmm. trip. So we moved to Colorado, bought the van and then um, built it out. And then I think we were coming to visit 
Um, my brother had just, um, his daughter was just born. So I had a new niece and we were coming back to New York for that. And then that's when the pandemic hit, like right then. Okay. And, um, and we got, I don't want to say stuck at my parents' house, but like, luckily we were at my parents' house and right. park the van, um, and kind of live out of it while living at their house for a, a bit. Um, and that was awesome because we, you know, had that space and then we kind of did a little bit of remodeling there and I nice off on a tangent about that but totally oh, yeah we could talk about this all day <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's yeah, for sure really cool but I'm so happy to hear that you you and your husband have a van that's so cool oh my yeah yeah we don't show it like as often just because it's more of like a trip type of thing like yeah. a vacation like a weekend saying it's not, you know, integrated into our, our daily lives besides us walking by it like every day because right. you know, it's in our driveway. But yeah, yeah, super cool. I love hearing about van life or people with the van and like their experiences. Uh, I just think it's it's so neat. And now is like the time to do it since everyone is, you know, more virtual. Uh, we're hoping that my husband gets a virtual job here soon so that we can do more of that because then we'll be out and about all the time. Awesome. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for yeah. <laughs> that. Hey, you got to manifest it, right? Oh yeah. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on again. Oh my gosh. I've been dying to talk to you. It's, it's, such gonna be such a good time such a good conversation um so if you just wouldn't mind giving a brief introduction for those who may not know you all tell us a little bit about you and you said that you live in Colorado and then tell us about the dogs you want me to kick it off <laughs> yeah go ahead um so uh I'm Nat and this is Annie and um mm -hmm. we've been together for about uh, 11 years yeah, coming up. Yeah. Next week or a week after. Yeah, it's coming oh, up. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, and, uh, any, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we, we met in college and kind of had just been adventuring together ever since. And so, yeah, like we said, we moved to Colorado, back to New York where we're originally from and are currently now. So we're out of New York right now. Um, okay. and I guess, just like, so after we moved into an apartment after the van, um, we, you know, we're both working remote jobs at the time still, and we're really home enough to add another dog into our family. And that's kind of where Ollie comes in. Okay, awesome. So Henna is a bully mix, right? And then, yeah. So are they both? Yeah, they're both bully mixes. They're both bullies. Yeah. Um, According to their DNA test, actually, we did a DNA test for Henna, and she is about 40% Staffordshire Terrier, and then, like, a little bit of Chow Chow, Russell Terrier, White Swiss Shepherd, and then, like, 40% other. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> the results are always kind of wild. Oh, yeah. Layla's <laughs> like that, too. She's, like, 50% Aussie, and then the rest is just, like, a mix of herding breeds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then um, Ollie, we didn't actually do a DNA test on him, but on his, um, on his, what's it called? His like paperwork, paperwork. Um, it was listed that he was a pit bull beagle. And then as soon as we looked up what a pit bull beagle, like, 
wow, that is like that is him. <laughs> yeah, so I am curious to see if there's anything else that might be um, in in his DNA, but we'll do one one day. Um, yeah, and I, I guess we we got henna like first in our first apartment after we were there for a couple months, and um, we were like. I, I was already an experienced dog owner, sort of, okay. like my, my family, and he had never had a dog before. And we adopted her, and, you know, we had basically, like, no training at that time. Well, we <laughs> did do, like, the puppy training class at, okay. like, right. Art, you know, right. basics. But, um, but after that, yeah, we um, kind of just chalked everything up that she was fearful dog and yeah, we didn't really we thought do... that's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you got her as a puppy. She was 13 weeks old. When yeah. We... Okay. Yeah. So a puppy. okay. That's actually the same time that we got Layla. I think we got Layla at, you know, probably like 15 or 16 weeks. So yeah, she was, she was still a puppy. Um, but we actually got Layla off Craigslist, so awesome. not from a breeder, like, whatsoever. Um, and it was kind of the same thing. Like, you know, I, we both had dogs growing up, but they were, like, small dogs. And then all of a sudden, you know, we were like, she's fearful of so many things. And so that was a very new experience for us. It kind of sounds like it was the same for you. Yeah. And, like, the funny thing is I, um, you know, we got Hannah also like I as an emotional support dog for me, which okay. funny how um we became her emotional support right. and like mixed in with the emotional support also came a lot of the stress of like, oh my gosh, like what do we do? We have this right. dog that like we not that we didn't, you know, we just didn't know what we know now, I guess. Right. For sure. Yeah. Story, story of our lives like hindsight answers all of the questions <laughs> so okay you got henna she did van life with you for a little bit you moved to new york and then you got ollie so what was like the process of you know between you guys and henna of being like i think we're ready to get another dog throw it into the mix see what sticks and what works so Actually, so we got Ollie when we were still in um, Colorado. We, we recently okay. back here. But uh, I think when we were um, taking her to the dog parks, she was loving playing with other dogs and interacting. We could tell she was just a social dog. That's why we bring her to the breweries. She loved people, mm-hmm. she loved dogs. Um, and I think we wanted to bring some of that home and have something that would make her comfortable, but also like someone she could play with someone that just, you know, to keep her kind of occupied. So she wasn't so bored and like, you know, we're her only friend. So we wanted (laughs) her to have other friends. Also like, you know, with COVID and stuff, we weren't seeing, we weren't going out. We weren't doing as much as we were. She wasn't interacting with other dogs and like, I don't know. We always kind of, you know, it it was in the back of our minds for a while. And then it kind of, I had been talking about it kind of nonstop. And then it yeah. was just like, 
one of those things actually. So I had been like slowly like, you know, let me just look at these um, adoption websites. And um, we really wanted to adopt another bully breed and just um, help another uh, another bully dog. So Mm -hmm. we reached out about this one one pit bull. And I'll never forget what drew us to him was his name was Ulrich, which was a character in the show Dark that we were currently watching at the time. And I was like, "Okay, oh, my gosh, like this dog, we need to whatever. That was the attraction to that particular dog who was this two year old, like adorable, like just he just his profile seemed like he would be a great mix. But um, for us and that we reached out about um about him and they told us that you know he's actually too much of a bully breed to be safe in your apartment so we were like wow like first of all like that's great that you guys are checking that and like looking mm-hmm. to that where the dogs will be best suited um because unfortunately there's such a stigma and a lot of apartments have bans on certain breeds right and- so they said um but you know, we just got in a few of these um, other dogs that might be better suited to live there. And one of those dogs um, was Ollie. His his name was Casper. And we saw his pictures and he was just this like, at first we're like, oh my gosh, he's smiling. And now we know better. Like, no, he's whale-eyed and he's scared, but he right. has this adorable little face. And we were like, we have to meet him. <laughs> so yeah. Of course, it's listed that he um, is great with dogs and people and all the things that however much you can find out about a dog that they only had for one day right? before we took him home. So that was um, that was an adventure actually going to get him. What a mess. <laughs> so, <laughs> we had to drive um, about, I don't know, about an hour plus into the mountains um no, we didn't have to though the no. gps directed us oh, oh gosh <laughs> and of course it had just snowed recently so yeah. there's snow my car was not good in the snow we had to put on our like snow tires for the first time trying to figure out how to do that and then of course the gps is like why don't you go through this campground which is not where you're supposed to go and we popped a tire i think oh my gosh i mean we were like so close but so far it was yeah (laughs) so luckily you will always remember that you know going to get ollie it's gonna be like we went through hell to get you literally Oh my gosh. And then thankfully the foster was like able to meet us where we got stuck. Oh good. Good. Okay. To us. Um and we it was a matter of what 10 minutes where yeah. he brings him out in this little cute little jacket and he's just this little scrawny little pipsqueak. I think he was 7 months old at the time. Um and him and Henna hit it off they liked each other and they fell asleep on each other in the car ride home and it was great um but it's really funny because a few months ago I was looking back at pictures and videos of when we first um brought Ollie home and there is this video where he's like sitting up in the front seat with us and we're driving and the GPS goes hazard reported ahead and now looking back at that it's like oh my gosh like the gps literally just said hazard reported head and little did we know that like what we were gonna 
what was about to unfold with this whole journey of bringing Ollie into our lives and how, not that he was, you know, not a hazard ahead to everything, but in certain instances, I guess you can say that. Oh, yeah. The foreshadowing there. (laughs) Yeah. So was Hannah reactive or like, you know, really fearful before you brought Ollie home or did that develop after? I'd say uh, she was fearful when we first got her, but maybe more so to different things. Like, I mean, the same things, but okay, maybe I could just explain what they are. Before, she would be really scared of all these loud sounds, uh, mm-hmm. and the wind is still an issue, loud yeah. is still an issue, but maybe toned down a little bit. Um, but she has been, like, in certain instances, reactive towards certain people, and, and I mm-hmm. think usually the larger male population that she gets more nervous around, she might, like, bark at them um if they get too close and you know she's not always mm-hmm. as friendly in those instances because she's reacting and she's right over her threshold so um, also some i think just people entering her space like whether it be somebody that you know i, I specifically remember one of my when we were at my parents house for when we were you know staying there during the pandemic one of my mom's friends had come to the door and henna like charged the door and was barking like aggressively at her and I was like had no idea that she would do that of course and Mm -hmm. at this point we didn't even know what the word reactivity the reactivity and reactive dogs like that was not a part of our oh right because you just kind of like chalked it all up to you know she was just a fearful dog and this is how it was yep Okay, this is all making sense now. So like, whenever you got Ollie, were you kind of thinking in your head, like, maybe since she's so confident around other dogs at the dog park, that getting a second dog will help her confidence levels help her like feel better around various things? Yeah, yeah, that was like, part of the goal too was right, her confidence and make her like, you know, get her energy out and have have a friend and you know, all those good things, but right. Well, I do feel like, you know, dogs just learn from each other so easily. They have their own language, obviously. So I do feel like, you know, having that second dog, especially if it's one that's like really confident and strong and like steady that it can really help with other dogs confidence levels. So I totally get like where you're coming from. Yeah, and it's funny because Ollie comes off like he's this tough guy, but he is not, and he's not confident, and, like, we're learning that that he is actually pretty insecure, and, like, mm-hmm. maybe Henna's the more confident one in certain situations. Like, they're very different, like, but they balance each other out really well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I love to hear how dogs complement one another in that sense I think that that's like a really really cool thing that you can see in a multi-dog household yeah definitely and and even in some instances where um Hannah will put Ollie in his place and yeah you know and it's not over the line she knows like not to to overreact but just to like speak to him and tell him hey don't leave me alone um right so we do see that and um he does it too now. Like he he knows how to do it too in a like appropriate way. 
Right. So you mentioned the the hazard ahead, which was pretty funny, honestly, from like somebody that's, you know, on the other side, like we're both through it now. Um, and so you brought Ollie home and then you had an incident, like a bite incident between Ollie and Henna, right? So what, like what happened and I, well, you don't have to go into like details, but more so like, how did that make you all feel as like the owners and kind of how did you work through that as, as the owners with your dogs? That is a great question. And so just to give you a little background on like what had happened leading up to this point. So about a maybe the second day or third day that we had him, he started to display some resource guarding um, tendencies towards henna. Specifically, like if we were sitting and eating dinner, like Matt and I were having dinner and Ollie would go under the table and he would, and henna would be sitting right next to us and he would like guard us and the food on the table from henna and he which looked a lot like him just like growling and like snapping like at the air like towards her so that was kind of our first like hmm what is this and then of course we did a little google research and found that it is resource guarding and that was like our first like implication i guess that we had something like to kind of unfold with right then he um he started showing resource guarding um uh like when we had a guest come over and stay over one night they were holding food in their hand and i think he like he nipped their hand a little bit nothing crazy but it was another like it was you know, it was scary. Like we had right. no idea that this was, you know, wasn't listed in his, uh, in his profile. profile. Right. And I'm sure just brand new to you all at like any, you know, as a first time dog owner. And I'm sure even Matt with you, like some of your other dogs probably didn't show this kind of behavior. Exactly. Yeah. I had four dogs and they never did any of that so it was it was interesting to to see but we definitely recognized kind of right away like this is not good <laughs> right first sign i guess so we got a trainer and it was an awful experience and we can see now that um yeah so basically we we hired a trainer to help us with resource guarding issues and they just kind of brushed that under the rug and told us like the worst possible um advice would be to oh yeah why don't you just leave them um when you go out leave them with a bone on their beds together they'll be fine and we obviously knew better than to do that um so this person didn't help at all but to us we were like well we got a trainer and like you know, they said he was fine and they were like, oh, you know, we, I think that he's a feral dog and I like that. I don't know. It was just literally an awful experience all around. Before we, he actually bit him. Yeah. Okay. So this was, a, you know, maybe a few weeks before. Into getting him. Yeah. And a few weeks okay. before he, um, he bit Hannah. So what had happened that day was he... We had been out running some errands 
And I had stopped at, like, the local pet store and picked up some, like, bully stick or whatever kind of, like, right. treats. And I stuck the little bag, like, in my my bag that I had. And then when we got home, I – we had groceries um, that we just, like, put everything down on the floor. And I was, like – I had just bought, like, a new headband. And I was, like, I'm going to go try this on real quick. So I walked to the bathroom. And I kid you not, as I am walking – to go try on this headband, I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to write a blog post about, like, resource guarding issues in a multi-dog home. Mm-hmm. Like, as I'm thinking that, I hear, like, just a loud, like, I don't even know, commotion going on in the other room. Matt is, like, yelling to try to break up what's going on. Henna's, like, yelping and Ollie's sunk his teeth into her face and yeah thankfully Matt was able to break that up you know fast enough um but still that happened and then immediately it was like oh my gosh the bully sticks that I just left on the floor like I left those there and he was resource guarding them from henna right so that it, it was a, a pretty scary moment, I think. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I like I can't even imagine just because like I you know, I just I just have Layla. Um and whenever she's around other dogs, it's always pretty pretty supervised. Um and so like not that you guys weren't supervising, but I've never been in the in the position like that where, you know, things are just kind of open in a home where something like that could happen. So it's always like a fear of mine that whenever we do get another dog, that something like that could just easily happen. Yeah, definitely. I, I think what's important is just that we were able to to learn from it mm-hmm. um, and just become more mindful from it. And, right. you know, in the moment, you're just like so guilty and, you know, you're feeling really embarrassed that this even happened. Like, how did I do this? How did I set them up for this? Right. And, uh, you know, I I guess we took it and we really learned a lot from just that experience. And I'm glad that Henna really wasn't hurt that badly, even though it's hard to say. She didn't need stitches, thankfully. It was a a small hole in her cheek. She does still have a scar. I mean, she has a scar from it. Mm -hmm. It's like a constant reminder to, I guess, to us, too, about, like, kind of where we started and like right yeah and all this was two months in so everything like up to that we didn't really have any idea that he was going to actually bite up until he actually did it so right also to just preface like they you know would cuddle all the time never really had much of an issue like played gently like everything was seemingly so good up until that point but it's it's just being able to identify those behavioral changes that right and and knowing how to set yourself up for success yeah yeah i feel like the big takeaway from this you know for other people listening is just that mindfulness piece you know thinking about setting your dogs and yourself up for success but it can happen with like one easy mistake that you know is you think is harmless. You, you don't, you don't even like think twice about it. So, oh my gosh, you said that you just felt so guilty afterwards and embarrassed. And like, I, 
I could totally see how, how you would feel that way. And you're so lucky that you two are together or were together, you know, so that you could support each other in that way. I feel like that's one thing that, you know, single dog or single owner households sometimes uh, find difficulty in because they're in it on their own. But how did you guys like manage those feelings, you know, either right after or in the weeks after that this incident happened? Well, I, for one, was like, we need to give him back to the foster right away because I can't handle this and this is too much and not, this is not, you know, I didn't sign up for this in my head, but I did sign up for this, right? Like I, you know, in hindsight, like when you adopt a dog, you're signing up for giving them the best life that they can. And in this instance, um, I felt like just so insecure about my ability to physically and mentally handle the responsibility of being this, you know, owner to this dog who bit my other dog. And I felt a lot of guilt and shame that I put Hannah in that situation and made her, um, you know, un unsafe in that, in that matter. Um, and I was ready to give up on him, um, but Matt was not. Well, <laughs> and I guess more so because I had had been around dogs for so long, and I just didn't really. I had already like two months with a dog is a huge connection already. Like that, that's not something I would be so quick to let go of, and I I know that you know, that it's possible for dogs to change for us to right. work through their transformation and help them along the way. And it's just a matter of just, are you willing to try this challenge or take on this challenge? Um, and I wasn't, I was very upset that <laughs> even about the concept of, of letting him go. So I really didn't want to do that. And there was also other things like behind this, um, you know, letting him go would have meant we give him back to a shelter or we give him back to the foster, but we couldn't give him back to the foster because they were away that weekend. So we already had to like figure it out that weekend. And the shelter with a bite risk, it wasn't something we were willing to, we already know that this is setting him up really to not get adopted, to, you know, other bad things to happen in the future for him. So we ultimately like took the responsibility and wanted to keep it because, you know, it's, it's not fair to the, to the dog. Mm -hmm. I think also a big thing um, was in my mind. So I immediately like call my mom and my sister and like tell them what happened. They could tell how upset I was and they're, and I right. was like, well, like, we're not sure if we should get them up and my family is not you know never had dogs growing up my mom's allergic to dogs so not really dog people um and they just were like and I have young nieces in my family mm -hmm. and um my you know they were like thinking of you know what a lot of people I'm sure think well we can't have this kind of animal around our family what are you gonna do like and it was more of like uh 
whatever, like, yeah, you should give him back to the foster, like, on that on that end. And then you have Matt's mom and sister who are like, absolutely, you're not giving that dog back. Like, we'll get through this and tell tell Annie, like, we'll, like, do this. And was very right. and encouraging. And then the foster, um, you know, they were out of town literally going out on, like, a camping trip the day after and was like, um, if when I get back, like – maybe like I'll take him back and then by the by then we um were different mindset also they had offered if um we were willing to give him another chance like that they would help us pay for more training for him which was oh wow that's amazing amazing um which we didn't end up um whatever we ended up paying for it which was totally fine and like we want right. to keep their money to help keep doing what they're doing but that that support and encouragement from them was like, look, we want this dog to, we want to see you succeed with this dog. And if you are able to, like, we want to help you. And if that means like money, like is an issue with training, which at the time it was, you know, like we had just spent however many hundreds of dollars on this awful trainer that didn't help mm-hmm. anything, made it worse. And we just were like, we thought at the time we tried everything, which, huh. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah. I will say, Annie, I'm like more whenever it we were going through like the most challenging times, I'm I was more of your mindset. I was more of like the overwhelmed, like, should we rehome Layla? Like, what should we do? Um, and, you know, my my husband had had dogs growing up. He had had hunting dogs. So, you know, he saw them. uh well, he had dogs in the house, but then he also had hunting dogs. So he had a little bit more experience with like bigger dogs than me. And, you know, he, he was like, I've, cause she had a uh, crate aggression. And so she was like coming out of her crate wanting to, uh, you know, be aggressive. And he was like, I've never seen anything like this before. Like, this is wild. And, you know, I felt I was nervous to put her up. I was nervous to interact with her before putting her up. Um, and it was really causing just a lot of stress in my life. And so I was kind of in the same similar mindset as you as like, I, I don't know how to handle this dog physically. I, I don't think I can handle it emotionally. And, uh, like in, in the thought of like, should I rehome her? And in my mind though, it was, I, so I have, uh, like anxiety into where I want people to perceive me a certain way. Um, And so that's something that I've really worked on. But at the time I was like, I can't give up a dog because people are going to look at me as like a failure kind of, kind of thing. Um, And so that was kind of what initially drove my motivation to figure out a training regimen and get us on track with her. But how did you really turn that, you know, down feeling into the motivation. I mean, I know you said all the encouragement and upliftment from <clears throat> Matt's family and, and Matt, but like, I'm sure that had to be just like so much like courage and like strength from you. Like, cause I know I went through it. So, I mean, I can only imagine um, what, what you went through. 
Yeah, well, I can relate to what you said about like, well, what does that look like if I give up on this dog? And like to me, right. that thought literally went through my head. I was like, okay, t- one of two, th- one of three things are going to happen here. One, I'm going to give up on this dog who I got so that I can help a breed that or a, a type of right dog that is, you know, needs advocating for, and I'm going to set the breed up for you know not to say that that whatever anyway um that was a thought I was like well what kind of advocate for bully breeds is that going to make me and then I can't get another dog if I give up on this dog and like I am really passionate about helping shelter dogs and I want like this is something so I that definitely went through my mind too like well and and maybe that's my ego but maybe it right in this sense yeah like, no that's how I feel too I was like a definitely an ego thing and like at the time it doesn't really like align with how I feel today uh but like at the time I'm kind of grateful because I'm like that ego is what drove me to keep Layla and and work on things same and also I Aside from like how I felt about, oh, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to give up on him for like whatever, my own personal whatever, but also for him, like he clearly needs help and either somebody else is going to help him and put in the work to help him. Why can't that be me? Because I don't think that I can. And then, and then I think that was like, okay, like, I'm thinking about what are my options here and like either he's going to go to somebody else and I'm, you know, that's going to be it. And, you know, it could be us who give him his best life. And like, that's exactly what is happening. I think that it was just like, yeah, like you said, like that ego thing in the beginning, which in, you know, nobody wants to think that, oh, well, right, whatever, but it kind of helped in this situation, like give me that courage that I didn't know that I had, um, along with like the support from Matt and his family and um, some of our friends in Colorado uh, were also like, this dog is, he's really a great dog. Like, mm-hmm. you know, of course, like it happens and all you can think about is like, well, that he just bit my other dog. Like I can't. Right keep him and then it's like well maybe it's because he needs he needs so much more guidance and we need to give him that um another thing um so after we like decided to keep him it was we went out and bought a muzzle like immediately because that was the only way that I was going to feel any comfort about around him being around henna and like looking right. at like this muzzle was like so small not <laughs> at all like appropriate for his size and like we didn't know who knew like right so that was kind of um what led us to working through that and also thinking about like okay what actually happened here? Is Henna okay? She was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, like, thankfully it was our dog and, like, we didn't have to deal with our dog biting another person or another person's right. dog and them, like, you know, filing a report or anything like that. So it was kind of like, well, this happened to us. It didn't involve anybody else. So this is all up to us to work through within our household. And that's something that like we decided was something that we were going to do. Yeah. 
definitely like looking at it from more of that positive note, I feel it could be really beneficial and, you know, just such a challenging time. So you did mention that you got a muzzle too small, which is like, I feel everyone's first muzzle. They just like don't know what they're doing. Um, it's so funny to like look back on it now. And now you guys have all of these like really pretty muzzles and are huge muzzle advocates. Um, so what does training or like a multi-dog household look like for you all now? So it, it's pretty dynamic, I guess, because there's this relationship between each one of us on on its own. So it's it's like a huge web where my relationship with Ollie, Annie's relationship with Ollie, their relationship with each other, you know, right. and it, it definitely um, makes it so that we have to be more aware of um, like each dog's needs and how we should uh, approach each one, they're going to be totally different. Like, and just remembering to be mindful of who we're handling, who, like what their background is and why we want to teach them certain things. Um, and I think, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And we recently, um, you know, there's a lot of management, right? Like we don't right. put them home alone Rare, I would say like 99% of the time, either we're supervising them in the same room or Ollie's in his crate or mm -hmm. her crate. But Ollie's fully crate trained where like we go out and leave the house and like he can comfortably, we've worked up to him being able to um, be in his crate for like upwards of eight hours or so and like totally right. fine with that, um, you know. Whereas Henna will just lay on the couch and they'll listen to music and we watch them on the camera and like they're totally fine. Whereas if we were to try to create Henna for like any length of time and go out, like we're not there yet at all. So like we're working on that currently um, with her. But yeah, a lot of management, um, just like always being mindful of like, okay, so when Ollie's in his crate and he has a high value treat or toy, when we open the crate to let him out, like, we better take that toy out because if Hannah goes right. there, he's going to be like, well, that's in my crate, in my room, essentially. Um, and so, like, it's always being, like, on, I guess. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is different from what we – so, like, being out with Henna is completely different than being out with Ollie and is such a breath of fresh air in a sense that, like mm – -hmm. We don't have to, like, be alert and, like, aware of our surroundings as much because Henna is just, like, yes, she's fearful and we want to set her up for success and, like, make sure that she's comfortable at all times. But, like, she's not going to go, like, try to – I mean, sometimes she does bark when she gets scared that somebody's approaching, but, like, right. so different, completely different, like, vibe, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. And especially after talking to other dogs or other owners with multiple dogs, they kind of have that same thing where, you know, it, it's funny because even like, you know, you're, you're saying on walks, Kenna is the, the breath of fresh air, but inside the home, you know, you're saying you're still working on crate training with her. So it's kind of a swap, which I find is, is funny. And it kind of goes back to the compliment or to the thing that I said earlier about each one of them complimenting each other, having their, you know, strengths 
and you know the the then the things to work on as as well uh but i find that just one antidote of how they can complement each other and be stronger in areas totally and it's so cool to see and like so we've been doing virtual training um and we're yeah i was gonna ask because i i love uh sailor jerry yes oh my gosh Love Sailor Jerry and just what she is doing for the reactive dog community and just like providing this. I've never heard of virtual training or like anything like it um, where like it's basically they are seeing what is going on in your home and like how each of us. So like we are able to get feedback on specifically like how Matt does certain things and how I do certain things and how like, you know, before doing training, we would like Matt and I would argue and like bicker about like, what's the right way to do this thing and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, now we have to because somebody who is a professional experienced dog trainer is going to tell us exactly like from a biased like standpoint, but really be able to, um, just guide us so much in, in like, yeah. 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 I've really enjoyed a lot of her, uh, content and the conversations that I've had with her in, in messages. And I know like in 2020, whenever we were having some of our challenges, I did virtual training, but it wasn't like what you're talking about. It was more so I got on the phone, I explained what happened and, you know, then they gave me feedback, but it wasn't like me sending videos or anything like that. So it kind of sounds like with how she's doing the virtual training, it's more like in real time with video going back and forth. Is that right? Yes. Okay. That's awesome. Everyone go check out (laughs) Sailor Jerry. Our trainer, Christina Bassi is just incredible and just such an amazing source of knowledge and just like, they are just, there to help and not to judge, which is so nice because with the open-minded approach that Jerry created is just like keep an open mind and like try to cater to that dog specifically and not like put an umbrella of like what will work for all dogs, but like what's going to work for you and your dog, which is something that like we're super passionate about advocating for too. Like there's just so much judgment of different techniques. And it's like when people get wrapped up in like, who's right, who's wrong. It's like everybody's doing their best to handle the dog in front of them. And like nobody but you and your trainer knows what's best for you and your dog. So it's just really great to have that like support and accountability and just has been an amazing experience. And we have grown so much as like handlers and like just our dogs are excelling like faster than we could even imagine like ollie doesn't wear his muzzle practically ever anymore when we go like out on walks and um that's all thanks to like what we've learned through training and just feeling more confident in our skills that we can handle him and like um yeah it's been really incredible um and it's cool because I just want to add this part in I was just at the grocery store earlier and I um 
I was checking out right next to um, one of our neighbors who this morning I was out walking Ollie and they started talking to me because like they were like, oh, how are those tomatoes I gave you yesterday? Yeah. Trying to answer and then <laughs> like starts barking and lunging and I'm like, oh man, like I gotta remember, like I can't talk to people when I'm out with him. Whereas right. before I was walking Henna and she was like fine for me to have a conversation with her. So the woman at the grocery store, I was like, oh, sorry about that earlier. Um, you know, I I when I'm with him, I have to be like really focused or whatever. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh yeah, of, of course. Like you know, he's gotten so much better. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you noticed like thank you so much like that was like so amazing to hear this woman who lives across the complex like sure has seen him when we used to bring him out in his muzzle and had no real way of controlling his reactivity other than like what we were doing and now it just feels like we notice a difference but then to have some somebody else tell us like hey we noticed a difference that your dog like seems a lot a lot better and it's like wow like that felt really good to hear and then of course like the checkout person was like are you done and I was like oh man I forgot I'm doing this <laughs> that's funny that's the best compliment it was to, to hear that from somebody that is you know just kind of seeing it unfold over the course of time yeah I mean you wouldn't think that some of these people are even paying attention. It's nice, right. nice when your your trainer compliments you, but then like a totally random, you're like, wow, okay, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Oh my gosh. So uh, yeah, I again, I'm just gonna like reiterate to go check out Sailor Sailor Jerry because she's she's awesome. But like so much of the training is more about us, I feel like, as the handlers. And you said that, you know, you've grown stronger as handlers. What are some of the things that you all do to kind of like mentally prepare yourselves to, you know, go on a walk or work or train or, you know, even like on a day-to-day in the morning, you know, sometimes you might feel unmotivated and you're like, okay, I got to get the motivation to work with my dogs today and put in the extra effort to make sure that nothing goes wrong. Yeah, I, I think setting ourselves up properly is like the first key and it comes back to just like basic communication, making sure we're both on the same page with the training. We're both gonna plan for this throughout the day, knowing what we're getting into kind of. Mm-hmm. Um and also just having like a schedule where um we know they're gonna eat in the morning and that night, um, around a certain time. Um, they're going to go for a certain number of walks throughout the day. And just having um, that consistent regimen and schedule plus having like our communication being on the same page with training, I think that really helps uh, just to get us like going. Um, I do want to yeah. just a little disclaimer here. I am terrible at keeping with a schedule yes. and it's really <laughs> not, hard not, for not me to, <laughs> to do that. So you're sitting here saying we have this schedule. I'm like, do we? Like- we, we have <laughs> an umbrella schedule that yeah. around certain times. Right. So we don't want to set ourselves up so that we're, you know, always like trying to meet the deadline. If we don't, then we're stressed. Like I feel like right. for us anyway. 
Um, I just had to throw that. I'm like, I don't want to paint the wrong picture here. Yeah. Amy's over here, like, scratching her head, like, who is she? Or who is he talking about? Like, (laughs) no, but that, like, has been really inspiring for me to get into a routine. Because, like, we've been working from home since, like, before the pandemic. Okay. Like, I haven't had a real schedule in like four or five years because I am a freelancer and like kind of make my own hours. And like Matt has a really amazing like virtual job that like is very laid back in his like scheduling and stuff. So like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I got out of bed at around like 1030 today and didn't start my day until almost like 12 o'clock. And like, that is something that I struggle with. So I know that, okay, my dogs need these things. I need to, it it gives me motivation to get my self together. And like, I'm nowhere near like perfect with that, but it's something that I am mindful of and something that I really do want to work on, like getting into a good routine, but also like giving myself the slack of like not beating myself up for it if I don't hand feed my dogs every meal. Or if I don't go on, you know, an outing and, like, take the dogs for a nice whatever. Like, yeah, it's great to do that. And we try to do that every day. It's always our goal. But, like, not to be so hard on ourselves if, like, we need that time for, like, something else, like, personal-wise or self-care. Like, that's something also that we're trying to really be more mindful of and, like, making sure that, like, our cups are filled and yeah and and I guess all of this kind of led to us well having Ollie led to Annie creating the Instagram the diary of reactive dog parents Mm -hmm. and I think that was a huge like changing point of mentality because oh for sure yeah just so many people with the same like problem or that going through the same thing (laughs) but the reason i totally sorry i don't mean to like interrupt this but the reason i created this account was like i want to talk about this stuff and i know that like my friends and family like they don't really care like they don't this is for like kind of me to just like have an outlet to just vent about what's going on and then like also follow a bunch of other pages that are going to keep me motivated that I can handle this and like learn from other people who have done this before and like know what they're doing and just learn from. And then it's kind of just like sharing our story and our journey like led to us being able to like essentially what I was looking for, like to be helped and inspired by other people like we became a resource where we were able to help other people who were also dealing with similar things. And like the biggest thing is a community because you feel so alone mm-hmm. when, or at least I could speak for myself. I felt alone. Oh, everyone does. Or yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't yeah. say everyone, but there's a large majority of the reactive dog owners. I feel like, you know, they're, they feel alone or misunderstood at some point in time. Absolutely. Yeah. And it wasn't until like I started like, you know what, 
I'm going to own this. I'm not going to have some random person tell me that my dog's reactive. I'm going to tell them first. I'm going to be like, hey, right. my dog's reactive and this is what that means for him. Like, So that's kind of like where like I learned how to advocate. We learned how to advocate for Ollie, in, mm-hmm. which in turn helped us like spread awareness and educate people who may not have ever even heard of a reactive dog. And it's just been really cool. Remember, we were just talking to Matt's sister yesterday, and she saw this big bully with a muzzle, and origin, like her initial reaction was like, oh my gosh, like scared when she saw this dog. And then she was like, wait a minute. I remember like everything that we've been like sharing about, like why muzzling your dog doesn't mean that they're a bad dog. It's like... Mm-hmm. You know, so it was really cool to hear her say that because she was able to, like, relate that back to Ollie and, like, what we're going through that, like, she had a different perspective of seeing a muzzled dog. And that's just, like, one person. If we can, you know, if we can share as much of our story and help change how people see muzzled dogs and dogs who have, who need a little more care and aren't just, like, you know, this, like, chill dog, like, it's right. really, it's a really good feeling to be able to just spread awareness and, like, help people who feel alone. Oh, my gosh, yes. I, I totally get that. And this actually leads really well into my next question. And that's, you know, if you were to tell your past self, something or somebody that's that's in your shoes from you know two or three years ago with all the ish like behavioral and reactivity issues what would you tell them um I would tell them to keep going and that shouldn't don't take your dog's reactivity so personally yeah and oh my gosh yes keep an open mind I think what about you, Matt? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I would say some of the same things. Like, you know, just persevere through the hard moments and remember that tomorrow's a new day because, you know, like one day your dog might be misbehaving, but you have to think of what you call misbehaving. Right. Um, but, you know, that's just their instinct. And, just to to remind yourself they're they're just they're being what they learned when they first came to be alive and we we are here to help them yeah so yeah i i think so much about in the early days of trying to work through things and trying to train all the time. And you kind of talked about this a little bit whenever you were talking about having a schedule. It's just like the pressure that you put on yourselves in those moments to try to make everything perfect, try to do everything right so that you can, can get through this as quickly as possible. And you really like in those moments, you forget to give yourself grace or your dog grace. And having that like open mind can be so beneficial. It's kind of hard to to uh, do in the moment, but I feel like this reiterating, like from owners that have gotten through it, can be really inspiring for those that are in the depths of the challenges right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the most important thing is to just 
not be so hard on yourself and that like you're probably doing better than you are giving yourself credit for oh yeah for sure for sure okay so I have one last question it's the question that I ask to all of my guests and (laughs) I feel so odd asking it to you all because Matt's here and he's not a dog mom (laughs) so uh but I think this like really you know, the question itself is really more about what lessons have you learned? What do you carry with you from from day to day? What is kind of like your mantra in dog ownership? So the question is, what does having a dog mom mentality mean to you? I love that question. Um, Matt, what is it? What does it mean to you? Oh, I thought you were going to take this one. <laughs> okay, well, to me, it means, um, you know, being just compassionate towards other beings that you may not know what's going on or why they're acting a certain way. Um, Just knowing what I know now about like, there's so many things that like my dog reacts to on a daily basis that like, I'm sure people look at him and think like, wow, that dog's aggressive or that dog's mean because they see him acting in an instant of that they don't understand, which then translate to us where like we judge people by what we see all the time. And like it, it, it makes you take a step back and like see people a little bit different and have more compassion for how we treat not only our dogs, but like ourselves and also like just people in, in our lives. And yeah, I think that, um, that's what it means to me. <laughs> It's beautiful. Oh. <laughs> I love it. That was so sweet that he told her it was beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, this is so sappy, but I'm like, wow, that was just like such a romantic moment. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so cute. I, I'm sure I'll be like, wait, that's actually not what I meant to say, but I'm glad that you took it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was great. It was great. Well, this really wraps up all of my questions. Thank you guys so much for coming on and being, you know, my first duo together to come on here. I think that's so special. And um, I know that you guys have a workbook coming out that is, and I have a journal. So it's like a great like supplement, like go right together material, I feel like. Um, And so I just, you know, for anyone out there, by the time that this comes out I think both of the products should be out and you know we just have such a similar mission and goal that it's you know worth sharing about and that you know each thing is going to really be out there to help dog owners yeah we're so excited to to release it and to see your product as well yes I cannot um, wait to um to order the, your journal yeah, too I'm so excited I know. I'm I'm really excited to see how everything turns out and I think it's just going to be like a really great thing to to pair together, really. Yes, I cannot wait and we are just putting the finishing touches on our workbook which is going to be released really soon. Um it's called the Mindfulness Workbook for Reactive Dog Parents and it is just going to kind of share some of the um the ways that we've found to be helpful and being mindful on this journey and kind of take a step back and realize 
like I said before, that you're doing a much better job than you're giving yourself credit for and like a, right. to really like kind of dissect all the little details of your dog's reactivity um, and be able to like learn from it. Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. I can't wait to see it. So thank you guys for sharing all about your journey and about you all and everything that you guys are doing. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Of course. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. My name is Caroline. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Dog Mom Mentality. And if you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today.